Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do, people know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time. Thanks, Basecamp. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, I'm Eric Garneau, and this is part one of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast featuring the theme, Friendship! And what an appropriate theme that is, because our special guests and co-curators for the evening are Jen and Trin from the wonderful podcast Friendshipping, which answers your pressing friendship questions. Uh, Jen and Trin just launched a fantastic Kickstarter called Friendship Postcards, which finds funny, earnest, and beautifully designed ways to say lovely things to your friends. And because they're super cool, they helped us put together a wonderful evening of stories and songs to celebrate. So this episode, you'll hear from Mary Beth Smith, Bill Bullock, Sam Berkman, Carlin Meyer, and Jen herself, plus music from Claire Friedman and Dwight Hassler. Uh, you heard that correctly, friends. I did not host or perform on this episode. It's the first one in like two years that that is true um, because I was out in L.A. recording the last uh, two weeks' episodes. But Claire and Dwight did an amazing job, and I really loved listening back to this. So great job, everybody. Thank you so much for um, making me not an essential part of this show. Um, before we get to it, let me again thank our sponsors for this episode, Basecamp. And, of course, shout out to the Chicago Podcast Co-op that makes that sponsorship possible. We love you, co-op. Now, if you want to be like the co-op and help us make this show, you could be a very nice person and rate and review this on iTunes. That really helps a ton. Uh, you could also, if you are a really, really nice person, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash and donate to help us keep making stuff. There are cool extras in it for you as well. Uh, so that's all I've got for now. So with that, please enjoy some friendship. friends 
walk with me, Susie Lee, through the park and by the tree. We will rest upon the ground and look at all the bugs we found. Safely walk to school without a sound. Safely walk to school without a sound. Here we are, no one else. We walk to school all by ourselves. There's dirt on our uniforms from chasing all the ants and worms. We clean up and now it's time to learn. We clean up and now it's time to learn. Numbers, letters, learn to spell. Nouns and books and show and tell. Playtime, we will throw the ball back to class through the hall. Teaching marks our hide against the wall. Teaching marks our hide against the wall. We don't notice any time pass. We don't notice anything. We sit side by side in every class. Teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she likes the way you sing. Tonight I'll dream when I'm in bed, when silly thoughts go through my head about the box and alphabet. But when I wake tomorrow, I'll bet that you and I will walk together again. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. All right, so <laughs> song about friends. You can't not yeah, do this song, we, right? Please we, feel free to sing along. Please feel free to do any hand claps that you feel should be present. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, like, there's so much of that song, nobody knows it. Uh, so we usually start the show off with uh, some uh, familiar faces, and um, our next, uh, our first speaker is Mary Beth Smith. She is the uh, a Nerdalog member and host of NBSing. So give a br- big round of applause for Mary. What's up, guys? Um, freewheeling a little, but I think it'll be good. I think I think there's a thesis. Uh, so uh, my best childhood friend's name is Mary Helen. Uh, as you heard, my name is Mary Beth. Uh, that led to some confusion later on in our lives for some reason. Uh, she was a year younger than me. She uh, lived in my neighborhood. Our moms worked together at the same law office. 
uh, basically all the things that in your childhood lead you to becoming best friends with someone, you know, like proximity. And uh, the coolest part about it was that, like, uh, we were both pretty much tomboys. Like, we'd hang out in our neighborhood and make forts and play in creeks and, like, she had a trampoline, so we hung out at her house a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, but, like, what you have to understand about our dynamic is, um, you know, our parents called us Mutt and Jeff, which is a very, like, thing that only baby boomers get, I think. Uh, so, like, for us millennials and Gen Xers, uh, like Mario and Luigi or uh, Bert and Ernie, you know, uh, she was tall, dark, and uh, put together like Bert, and I'm short, round, and probably like baths too much. Um, <laughs> and, and basically, like, I realized as I was putting this together and thinking about Mary Helen and our friendship that even things that we liked together, finding our favorite parts of them kind of indicated that she was the alpha and I was the beta. For instance, we were both big fans of the Atlanta Braves. She was a huge Chipper Jones fan, and I was a big fan of their catcher, Brian McCann. Now, for a reference everyone might understand, uh, <laughs> when it comes to the band In Sync, she loved JT. I was more of a JC Chazé kind of girl. Uh, so, like, that was our dynamic through it all, for sure. Like, uh, in school, it, it was kind of funny because uh, we would hang out a lot, even though she was a year younger than me, um, and people would ask if we were related uh, because... As I mentioned, her name is Mary Helen. My name is Mary Beth. Um, I think it's time here to say that we grew up in pretty rural South Carolina. So I think that's where it came from. People were just like, oh, same name, cousins. Uh, <laughs> 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 but again. Like she is this alpha, like gorgeous, easygoing uh, A-lister, and I was like this chick who's in a marching band and like lamented getting a 93 on a test. Uh, here's a good representative story. Uh, um, my first boyfriend, uh, who was like more of a kind of boyfriend where we like held hands and played NBA Jam together, which like in retrospect sounds pretty dope. Uh, <laughs> um, but like I went on vacation while they were in a a play together, a community play together. And uh, right when I got back from vacation, he called me to break up with me. And I was like, oh, phew, one less thing to worry about. Uh, so I went over to Mary Helen's house uh, because I was like, oh, chill. Don't have anybody else to hang out with today. And uh, she was uh, talking to him on the phone. And I was like, oh, dang, did he call to try to, like, get back together or something? Did he know I was going to be here? And so I took the phone. And I was like, hey, what's up? Pretty chill that he called here, huh? And he was super awkward and embarrassed because he was trying to ask her out. Damn! But Mary Helen's my straight-up BFF, so she was like, nah, I'm not interested. That is weird. Uh, <laughs> so, like, as we grew up um, in high school and uh, went off to college, we definitely grew apart. Uh, you know, I think our differences kind of... Um, uh, put more of a rift uh, in our friendship, not necessarily in a like um, a, a, a mean way or like a, that we didn't like each other. We just were doing different things with our lives. Every time we saw each other, it was still nice. Uh, we just didn't really make a point to hang out together. And uh, then we found ourselves having lived in, uh, she moved to New York after she finished school and I moved to Chicago. And uh, it's so funny. Chicago is the second city. Like, she still went to the first place. And I would 
comes with the second play. And, like, it's insane. It's, it's hilarious to me. So uh, a couple years ago, uh, she called me up because she was going to be in Chicago. We hadn't seen each other in years. Uh, she was visiting with her boyfriend. She works in the fashion industry. Her boyfriend works in the liquor industry. Sometimes I tell jokes about... Um, like dogs buttholes and stuff so like uh, literally she got in this like she went like semi-viral because she has this really well put together apartment this like 90 square feet in New York and uh, one time my uh, name got in the paper for telling jokes about dog buttholes in a show so um, pretty cool still still holding up that difference um, but when she came and we hung out and we had drinks we reminisced and uh, we talked about the fact that our moms still work at that same place. Um, to, between them, they have a 60 almost years of working for this little law office in a small town in South Carolina. It just blew our minds. And uh, I think it tells me a lot about friendship as it's related to my life that she and I were able to relate to one another so much because our paths were very similar. And yet, both of us couldn't be happier to be living like a, a big city life and meeting all these people who are way different than uh, where we grew up and kind of talking about people who didn't get out of our small town and like worrying out about our parents uh, still being there. And uh, um, a, a couple years ago, um, Mary Hill lost her dad and uh, I didn't really, in retrospect, I don't think I did enough. I think I should have given her a call or, like, send her an email or something like anything, even though we didn't really keep in touch that much. And uh, I had a memory about him today that uh, on my way out of my neighborhood when I was moving to Chicago, um, her dad gave me a, uh, a mattress pad that had a heating element in it because he knew I was moving to Chicago, <laughs> and he wanted to keep me warm. Uh, and so I know like legitimately he called me and like made sure that my parents knew that he had this and, and wanted to give it to me. So on my last day, uh, in Lancaster, South Carolina, I drove over to their house and, uh, I met their dog that their, her parents got when their childhood dog above was this, uh, giant German shepherd, uh, St. Bernard mix who would like run around the neighborhood with us and just like jump on you and lick your face. He was a monster. And like, uh, so I saw their new dog at the same house, and I saw uh, her dad um, for the last time. And uh, he, he gave it to me, and he had wished me luck. And I just remember seeing, like, he just looked more haggard than he did one of your kids. And it was um, it was really poignant, and it was this really, like, symbolic thing leaving. And then uh, to have kind of reconnected with her and, and see her every so often in Chicago now feels incredibly important to me and it uh it helps me remember that like even if you have little regrets in your friendships which I think I have some uh in a lot of my friendships that I've made even since Mary Helen um and most of them have to do with just kind of not feeling like I go the extra mile even if I do feel like the the beta to the alpha in the friendship I think what makes your friends the alphas in your life is that they're okay with that and they just accept that uh we're not all perfect and the reason that we're friends is, is that we understand we all uh, we all got here in similar ways and uh, appreciate one another and uh, all of our misgivings. So I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Beth. 
when you guys, so you said you still get to see her every now and so? Yeah, so she travels to Chicago a lot for a job. So it's awesome. Oh, that's great. Like, we've been to Cubs games. Oh, that's Miami, awesome. And it's, it's really, really cool to read. And you guys, like, it's it feels like, do you guys just fall, did you fall right back into Absolutely, place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Isn't that, like nothing happened. That's so great, like, you know, uh, people you haven't seen for a long time, you can just, doesn't take anything, you just come right back together. For sure. Friends are great. Friends are great, guys. Um, our next uh, speaker is a stand-up comedian, and he is currently running a show at Constellation. Put your hands together for Bill Bullock. I like when Claire was like, you don't need to worry about the microphone. And I was like, but what if that's the only thing that makes me feel confident in life? Uh, <laughs> just holding a microphone in my hand and making people listen to me. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to tell a couple stories about what it's like to be my friend. Uh, <laughs> I'm in, like, a weird time of transition with, uh, some of, with some of my friendships because, like, I was living with two of my absolute best friends for, like, five years or so. And both of them moved out this summer to be with their partners or to just, whatever, to do other things other than be with me. And, uh... <laughs> So, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff right now. This is still going to be funny. But uh, <laughs> I realized the other day, like, when my first roommate moved out, she uh, had the biggest room in the apartment, and so I took it. And then when my second roommate moved out, he had the smallest room in the apartment but the biggest bed. So, like, I was trying to let go of my friends, but then I literally sleep in my one friend's bed in my other friend's room. <laughs> Which is true. So, so when I, so when I got the king size bed, I was like, well, I don't need this fucking full size thing anymore. I could, you know, get rid of it. So I tried to sell it. I was trying to sell a bunch of stuff because we had a whole bunch of extra crap in our house. And as I was trying to sell this stuff, I couldn't get rid of this bed. And it was a nice bed. It was fine. It was nothing wrong with it. It didn't have like a big giant like heart shaped blood stain on it or anything. It was a real thing I saw on Craigslist. And uh, I couldn't sell this bed no matter what I did. I was trying to sell it. And I was talking to my friends. I was trying to get my other friends to buy it. My comedian friends who literally sleep on, like, piles of clothes in a corner wouldn't buy it. And I was like, cheap, you know, like, whatever. Just give me some weed. You know, and I don't smoke weed if you're a cop. Uh, and I couldn't sell this bed. And I finally got fed up. And I was talking to my one friend, Sonia, about it. And I was like, yo, I can't sell this bed. And I don't know what the fuck is going on. And she was like, well, here's a clue, dummy. No one wants your bed because none of your friends want to be on something they know you fucked on. <laughs> and I was like, fair, 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 true, true, true. But we're sitting on my couch right now. <laughs> and we're eating dinner on the table that sits in front of my couch. <laughs> and we cooked that dinner on my stove. <laughs> and later after dinner, we're going to wash the dishes in my sink. I fucked on all these things. Do you understand? Like, I fucked on all of that stuff. And not a single one of those had a sheet on them at the time. You know what I mean? Like, you can't change that out. So that's, you know, that's what it's like to be my friend. Um, so I'm, I'm also, like, a weird, I'm a weird person to be friends with because I, like, I have, like, a lot of needs and, like, I, like, I have a lot of, like, needs and like ulterior motives when it comes to my friendships that I'm like pretty open about like uh but it's I don't know I'm, I'm just fucked up in a lot of ways and my friends really like keep me balanced and one of the times that I realized that I needed to be balanced and didn't know it at all was uh I was I was out with uh two of my female friends uh one of which is the best friend that I was talking about before who was a very very gay woman 
Uh, and the other one was a woman who is, I guess, I don't know, whatever, who cares, right? The, the point is, <laughs> the, the very gay friend and that woman had had sex before, myself and that, and that middle woman had had sex before, but me and the very gay woman had never, obviously. Okay, doesn't matter. <laughs> Just backstory, okay? We're on the beach. That's where I'm going with this. The three of us are sitting on a private beach, uh, which is pretty dope, and there was like no one around for like a hundred yards in any direction. But our, our, our friend, our middle friend, uh, did not want to take her towel off, which she was wrapped in a towel and she had a bikini on underneath. And I was like, well, why, why is that a big deal for you? Like, why do you need to? And I, in retrospect, I realized, like, why am I asking her that? Right. But here's what I said at the time. I was like, it's just the three of us. And both of us have seen you naked a lot. So like, <laughs> there is no reason why you should feel uncomfortable with us, with the two of us. There's like, nobody you should feel uncomfortable with. And she kind of like realized that and took off her uh, towel and sat on it. And I was like, see, look at that. I wish I looked half as good in that bikini as you do. What was that about? Why did I say that? <laughs> and here's the thing. I meant it. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it years later, and I still mean it. I don't know what it means, but I, I would wear that shit if I could fill it out the way she does, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm weird. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite memories about my, my friend Angela, uh, we had a lot of like strange conversations and very intense interactions, and people often thought that we hated each other. One time we were at in the airport, this is not the story, but one time we were in the airport at LaGuardia, and we she didn't really want to go back, so she kind of just fell onto the floor, and I just screamed at her to get up because we have to leave. We can't stay in LaGuardia Airport forever, and people thought I was accosting her because that's how intense we are with each other, but it was a super fun moment for me. Um, but another time, she, you know how sometimes your friends, because your friends think that they can ask things of you that you don't necessarily want, right? They comfortably will ask you to do shit, like, help them move. And it's like, I don't want to help you move. It's like, well, I got pizza and beer if you help me move. It's like, yeah, but I got pizza and beer at my house, and I don't have your shitty armoire on my back at your house. <laughs> so, like, no thank you. Uh, once Angela asked me to help her cook this big dinner for her mother and 30 residents at the hospital her mother works at. And I was like, I don't cook dinner from a damn self. Like, I'm, I, I, this is, beer is dinner for me right now. Like, why would I cook for these doctors who can afford to, like, cater some shit? And she was like, listen, this is important to me. So if you help me, I'll help you. If you help me, I'll help you. And I was like, okay, cool. What does that mean? And she says, listen, if you help me cook this dinner, I will get you a nice blowjob. <laughs> And notice she said, get and not give, because again, she's a gay woman, and she's not doing that. You know what I mean? She's outsourcing this, this shit to somebody I don't know. <laughs> so I said, I'm listening. <laughs> and she said, look, here's what we'll do. We'll go to The Cove, which if you don't know The Cove, uh, it's a bar in Chicago on the south side in High Park. Just, just If you don't know it, just think of the shittiest bar that you can think of. And then literally take a shit on the floor. That's the cove, right? Like, that's how bad it is. And she goes, you know who hangs out at the cove? And I was like, yeah, mostly drug addicts. She's like, exactly. <laughs> and you know what meth heads don't have? And I was like, teeth? Oh, no! <laughs> no, 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 no. I know you don't do this, so you don't really understand, and this seems counterintuitive, but, like, I want teeth. Like, I want her to have teeth. <laughs> 
but conscientiously be avoiding using her teeth. Like, that's just common courtesy, right? Like, that's how you do with these things. That's how you do blowjobs. I want her to have teeth. Like, and why are we, why aren't we thinking about why she doesn't have teeth before I put my dick in her mouth? Like, can we have a discussion about that for a second? Like, did she recently get, like, violently beaten about the face? Because I don't want that at all. Like, I don't want her first post-violent sexual experience to be a transactional blowjob brokered by a would-be lesbian pimp. Like, that's not my steez, you know what I mean? <laughs> These are the kind of conversations we actually have with each other all the time. I actually said transactional blowjob brokered by a would-be lesbian pimp to her face. <laughs> uh, and then if she didn't, that just means she lost it from negligence. And I, and I mean gross negligence, you know what I mean? Like, real gross. Like, I don't want to... I'm trying... What I'm trying to say is, like, this is, I take care of, I'm pointing at my junk for the radio. I take care of this. This is a nice piece of mahogany furniture, and I don't want to, like, ding it up. Like, I'm not moving it into your termite-infested log cabin, you know what I'm saying? It's a nice glass of Pinot Noir, you know? Glass sounds small. This is a nice mason jar full of Pinot Noir. And, you know, I want discerning palates to taste it. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay, my name's Bill. You guys have a treat. I don't, uh, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> thank, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, our next speaker uh, runs camp at Village Tap. Uh, welcome to the stage, Sam Berkman. I'm in a relationship with my best friend. (laughs) Um, This isn't about him. This is about how my friendships change based on whether or not I'm dating any person. When I am in a relationship, my friendships are, I guess, like like normal people friendships. Like, I would love to go to brunch. Let's play a board game. When I'm single... My friendships become the vehicle for my just complete hedonism and nightmarish behavior. (laughs) So I was making stir fry alone. And now if I were in a relationship, I would call up a friend or text and be like, hey, I'm making stir fry. Come on over. Single me texted the first person in my phone, which happened to be my dude friend. I said, hey, I'm making stir fry. Show me your boobs. (laughs) And he did. He sent me a picture of his boobs. They were hairy. It was like a massive hairy chest with like what I think was a nipple. I'm not 100% sure. I zoomed in and it made it more confusing. Uh, (laughs) And I waited. I gave him one of like these emojis. It's the thumbs up one. And then one of these ones, which is the A-OK sign. <laughs> and five minutes later, he said, OK, show me your boobs. It's like, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> Problem is, it takes me like 400 naked selfies to find a good one, like a passable <laughs> one to send to any person. And the only good one I had was of my butt. So... I had to kind of think in the moment here. I don't, I'm not a planner. I don't plan ahead. Stir fry was not the plan that day. It's just whatever's in my fridge is going in the pan. I'm an idiot. <laughs> so 
I just sent him the butt picture thinking, like, maybe he forgot boobs, right? (laughs) Boy, did he. (laughs) Hey, those boobs look like a butt. Very nice. (laughs) I did. I drew little... I opened it up in Microsoft Paint and drew little nipples on my butt cheeks and said, this actually looks accurate. (laughs) So he is silent. I get nothing. And now I'm like, well, fuck, fucking, why, fuck. What have I done? I've just ruined this friendship. He's dispensable. (laughs) But you don't like to lose. Five minutes later, I get a video. I was like, oh, that's what took so long. (laughs) Yes. I open it, and I've received videos of men. J and O. I'm a cool girl. And uh so we go to open it, and it is surprising because he is J and O, but it's in slow motion. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever seen a penis ejaculating in slow motion, but it looks like if you go scuba diving with a confetti gun and you just let it go on the water. <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> I learned a lot about biology, <laughs> which is like not what he wanted to hear. But uh, unfortunately, that for me wasn't the hardest I've ever laughed at a penis, so we both lost. <laughs> So that's what my relationship with my male friends is like when I'm single. And I mostly have male friends because my relationship with my lady friends when I'm single is so much worse than that. It's horrible. Uh, and I can't even uh, explain it to you in the form of a story. So this is, uh, I wrote you all a song. And it's uh, about kind of like a microcosm situation for a macrocosmic experience of my single friendships with ladies. Uh, Song starts, I am walking past a bar with a lady friend of mine, and it says, ladies drink free. Inherently problematic. Here we go. (laughs) YOLO drinks free. I was wondering if after all these beers you want to pee and puke over bathroom sinks. You said that Joe's supposed to text ya. Well, I ain't heard much ringing. Yo, love, can you be me? I'm in someone's alley, maybe California and diversity. That the both of us are waiting on this guy. (laughs) So YOLO from the cab My Uber credit card declined. I'll get you back Monday once I find my red bag. You know the one we stole when we mugged that old hag. So YOLO from the curbside. I need your phone cause mine died. I'm so sorry to 
tell you that I just broke your phone, but it matters clearly. You're not going home. You're alone. Thank you, guys. That's fantastic, Sam. Thank you so much. You have a great voice. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you for singing for us. Um, our, our next uh, speaker is a board member of the Chicago Nerd Social Club. Put your hands together for Carlin Meyer. Hello, everyone. So um, I am Carlin. I'm on the board of Chicago Nerd Social Club, but my day job, I work in legal education, uh, which is not what I expected to be doing at this point in my life. I was actually pretty positive that I was going to be in some capacity in the music business, probably as a rock star, maybe as like an independent nerdy rocker. Not really sure, but I was positive that's what I was going to do with my life. <laughs> um, so I started writing music from a very young age. Um, but I was a self-conscious person, so I would, like, scribble down in a journal and whisper to myself, like, in the middle of the night, and I'd have these little songs, and nobody could hear them because my emotions were bad. Um, and eventually, my dad got me a guitar when I was 13 years old. Um, my mom was dying of cancer, and it was kind of the perfect gift to get me because I could just kind of close myself in my room and work out some emotions. And I wrote a lot of songs that, you know, I would write them off as, I'm just a kid writing these sad little ditties, but they were really complex songs about loss and isolation and attempting to find hope in a time of despair and just really, really good stuff. Um, so I continued writing music through my teens and I would play my guitar for people. I wouldn't sing for people because I think like a lot of teen girls, I was just kind of ashamed of my voice vaguely, like something about it wasn't correct. So I wasn't going to sing for people because I was supposed to be embarrassed or something. Um, so I played guitar for people. I was in bands. I played bass and it was always very cool, but I would never sing. Um, until I got to college. And in college, I kind of decided, you know, I have all these songs I write. I'm kind of proud of the compositions. I think I'm a pretty good guitarist. I'm going to give it a shot. So we had these open mic nights called Coffee House. And um, I started off performing at Coffee House. And um, I was still a little nervous to do my own composition. So I did, you know, kind of like ironically did a cover of a little kid's song. Um, if anyone watched Veggie Tales, it was a song called I Can Be Your Friend. Um, and so I performed that. And it was just kind of like, oh, you know, I was playing the song. You know, it's a little self-effacing thing about first week of college. And um, people loved it. Like it was this overwhelmingly positive response. Um, and that really emboldened me of just, hey, I could get up and sing in front of people and they were happy with what I did, even if it wasn't my own song, I kind of put my voice into it. So through that, I got a little braver and started playing my own songs. And um, it was one of the best things I've ever done. It was very, very, very well received to the point where I, you know, my friends were very positive about it. But people I didn't know would walk up and say, you know, those were ugly emotions I've never articulated and you nailed it. Like, did you write that song about me? And it's like, I don't know what's going on in your head, but I'm glad this resonated with you. Like, this is very great for me. So um, that kind of became a thing where, you know, I saw that what I had been writing was actually having an effect on people. And it was such a positive thing. So in college, I became a singer-songwriter. That was like a piece of my identity, a little bit of my self-definition. And um, there was this group of us who did that. We wrote songs and sang them. And, you know, some of the people in that group of friends, they 
they were already musicians and college was just kind of a step along the way and they were going to keep doing stuff with their with their music lives. And some like me just kind of decided in college that they were going to actually sing in front of people. And, and so we were at various levels, you know, some really had a lot of confidence around that piece and some were just kind of finding their legs. But, you know, we, we did really amazing things together, lots of collaborations and duets. And I played the weirdest gigs over South Central Texas and really, really strange places. And I'd be in like these gritty like bars with with all these you know people in the back that maybe look like they I, I it's it's a little weird for anyway the point is that I would be playing in places where I did not look like the people that were at the venue and um and I'd be playing my little three minute melancholy songs my little ditties and people would be like that was very good young lady that was very very good. Yeah. <laughs> this experience and um, I was pretty sure this is what I'm going to do and um, I even recorded an album and at a certain point I kind of realized like hey if I'm going to go for this I need to go for it and I found myself not going for it I just didn't release the album I didn't do anything I just kind of stopped and made the decision to go to law school Um, so I went to law school here in Chicago so most of the the way most of my friends here know me is as Carlin she's an attorney and she lives in Chicago and you know I have a kid now but um but there was actually kind of a, a path that my life I kind of took this left instead of this right that I had kind of expected to. And I can't really tell you why. It's just a thing that I did. So um, there was a point during law school, I, I didn't play my guitar for like two years, which was really kind of baffling. And I couldn't tell you why. I couldn't really explain it. But I just, I, I didn't. So um, I look sometimes, I mean, the magic of Facebook and the internet, I can see that a lot of my friends that, you know, we used to play these these things together. We used to create this wonderful music together and encourage each other in our craft and art. Um, a lot of them, they did it. Like they, some of them are very famous and some of them are, you know, just kind of doing the hustle in their own way and, you know, various levels of fame. And it's just, I'm so excited for them and I'm so proud of them. But I, I always kind of wonder, like, did I, is this what selling out? Is this like washing up? Like, did I wash up at 22? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the answer is, yeah, I did. I definitely did. Um, and so just kind of realizing this about myself, like every now and then I'll think, okay, you weren't going to be like Tracy Chapman. I mean, that wasn't something you were going to do with your life, but could I have been Rebecca Sugar? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. And so, you know, now I have, you know, a kid, I have a, a three-year-old and so I think all of my songwriting ability at this point is kind of funneled into these little songs about like peeing in the potty and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're so good. They're like really compelling. And these rhymes that are way more complex than they have any need to be like just very, very good songs for an audience of one who, you know, it's, it's okay, I guess. But, um, but even within that, you know, when I think, hey, you know, I, it's a humble pursuit, but I'm doing it in my own way for my kid. Then I find out about Kendy Rock, which is this whole universe of people that are writing really awesome songs for kids and they're playing gigs and like they they're like little celebrities among the children and I think am I doing this wrong too is I supposed to be a kindy rocker am I supposed to be Kimya Dawson like I don't know I don't know if I'm <laughs> and so I just I you know really never have a whole lot of you know comfort around that um you know what was I supposed to be doing um but anyway sometimes you know I do still get my guitar and I'll just from time to time not very often I'll, I'll take it out of its case and I'll you know start to play for my kid like you know Doe a Deer or ABC or Wonderful World or something and I'll start to kind of get the muscle memory where I'll start playing one of my songs and it just it all kind of comes back and it's like you know you keep thinking maybe they weren't that good but then I'll play and it's like this song was so good oh my goodness and there's this little complex part and this little chord change and like oh those lyrics were actually super deep oh and then I did this part and I'll start kind of getting into it and feeling alive again and um, my daughter, she does this thing whenever I'm, I'm playing a song for her that's one of my songs and not one that she knows her, she'll walk up to me and she'll put her hand over the strings of the guitar and say, Mom, stop. Stop it. 
stop playing the guitar. And then we'll play like Doe a Deer or something. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's how we end it. Anyway, thank you. You know, Tracy Chapman didn't get, like, huge until much later on in her career. So, I don't, it's, you know, Dream could still be alive there. Um, also, I hope that you come sometime and, like, play a song here for us. That'd be great. I, I think everybody would love that. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, our, our, uh, uh, we're going to have one more speaker, and then we're going to take a bit of an intermission. And then we'll come back and do some more songs and hear some more people talk. Uh, so, uh, our last speaker, before our intermission... Um, is the co-host of Friendshipping and the director of Cards Against Humanity, um, uh, Jen Bain. Just to clarify, it's community director. <laughs> that made me sound so much cooler than I am. <laughs> so from now on, it's director. Oh, no, no. No apology necessary. I want to thank you. <laughs> um, thank you so much to the Nerdalogs for having Trin and I. Uh, we host a... a podcast called Friendshipping, and in a couple weeks we are launching a Kickstarter to release a set of, thank you, a set of 30 postcards uh, of funny and nice things to send your friends. Some of them are a little bit awkward. I'm going to read two of them before I dive into my story. Uh, The first one is, a postcard isn't the perfect way to say how much you mean to me, but it's a start. (laughs) And the next one, actually, Trin, do you want to come dramatically read this one? It's the... Thank you. My handwriting's a little messy, but I think you know the text. I can do it, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I will never attend your improv show. (laughs) Because I feel too much secondhand embarrassment. But I want you to know that I support you... I support you artistically, nonetheless. (laughs) So... Thank you, Trin. Uh, Those plus 28 other postcards available at dofriendship.com in about two weeks. Um, thank you Uh, for now I'm gonna read you my story okay when I was 13 all my friends lived online live journal neopets and lord of the rings message boards that's how I met people some of these thank you (laughs) some of these friends I still talk to today but most I remember just by their screen name or avatar basically there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of dirt on me (laughs) the internet was my entire social life so, as you can imagine, my preteen distress when my parents decided that we were taking a vacation to Florida suddenly, something we had not done since I was an infant. Smartphones didn't exist, and we didn't own a laptop, so by day two of the vacation, I couldn't take it anymore. Bypassing the beautiful sunlit beach outside, I marched to the clerk at the front desk to see if there was some computer, any computer, that I could use to get online. The clerk asked me to sign up for a slot, and then she pointed me towards something called the business lounge. The business lounge was a tiny room with one desk, one computer, and one gigantic humming Microsoft computer. I told my unsurprised parents that I was going to check my email while they went to the pool, but I actually just needed to check on my love stories on (laughs) fanfiction.net. I was barely settled into my quiet sanctuary, just logging online when a man wearing a suit opened the door. He had a big briefcase, he had a big briefcase and a stack of files under his arm thicker than my entire head. So that's why this place was named the Business Lounge. It was for him. It was for business, real business. At this point in the story, you may be expecting the man to be rude or to say something shitty to me, but there is no villain in the story, really. The man was certainly startled to see me there, but he recovered. Uh, Will you be long in here? He asked, and his tone was polite. Okay, guys, come on. (laughs) I'm still the protagonist. (laughs) 
His tone was polite, and yet I closed out all the tabs on the computer. I stammered an embarrassed apology, and I scampered out like I'd been caught in the CEO's office. My instinct was to flee. I don't know why exactly. I suspect it's because I was 13 and a girl. I was on a dusty computer instead of at the pool like all the normal kids. I was wearing a half-dried bathing suit and a baggy oversized t-shirt, and I was occupying a space that wasn't exactly mine. So I left the business lounge in a hurry. When I got to the pool, my parents were surprised. You're back already? My dad asked, and I muttered that someone came by that needed the room. It was no big deal. I didn't need the computer anyway. That night, my family was leaving our hotel room to take a walk by the beach. When we got to the lobby, my dad gestured I followed him. He was leading me back to the business lounge. It was empty. You signed up to use the computer, he reminded me bluntly. Then he said I didn't need to give the room up for anybody if I didn't want to. He told me he'd check back in an hour, and he left me to my own devices. Have you ever noticed that you don't notice these moments when they're happening? It only occurred to me this year how important this moment was to me. My dad was telling me that it's okay to be here. It's okay that you're not at the pool or that you aren't talking to friends back home on the phone. You can take up space even if you're 13 and a girl, especially if you're 13 and a girl. Thank you. Um, So fun backstory on this song for me. Um, my very best friend in the whole wide world, whom I'm about to tell a story about in a little bit, uh, and I, um, danced and sang and most importantly jumped on my bed to this whole album (laughs) and broke my bed while, I believe, listening to this song. Um, we got in a lot of trouble. All right. Zig zig ah. If you want my future, get my past. If you wanna get with me, better make it fast. Now don't go wasted my precious time. Get your act together, we can be just fine. I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna really, really win it on a zig zag ah. If you wanna be
<laughs> your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy Your Stories, you might also like Alka Hollywood. Clint, Jared, and a guest talk about one movie each week, old or new, good or bad, and create a custom cocktail and drinking game around that movie. For more information, go to alkahollywood.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.